Wade, and welcome to the No Pro Podcast. We abide by a very simple motto here of try something, suck at it, own it, but at least enjoy it. Well, this is now episode seven, I believe it is, and uh, we are happy that you are aboard. I am one of the hosts here, Mike Dobson, and with me as always, Chase Nanavetti. Hey. Incredible. Wave. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we'll leave that alone for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very excited about today's episode, which we are discussing all things careers, changing careers, getting a job, and all things associated with it. And today, not only do we have one guest, not two guests, <coughs> but we got a fucking three-guest day today. And we're going to start with a little intro for each, uh, one of them being a returning guest already, uh, having loved it so much from the previous week, she just had to come back, my wife, Misty Dobson. Yay. I also live here. She also lives here. It's helpful. Next, we have a wonderful, wonderful person. And she's also just recently started a new career. And she has been a part of our lives, as in myself and Misty's, for a little while here. And one of Misty's good friends, and I dare say even one of mine, the lovely Christine Strain. What's up? Love it. And not, of course, to be introduced lastly, but probably the best is our big old friend that we affectionately refer to as Big Christmas, Matthew Minkett. Well, thanks for coming, everybody, on a lovely Sunday and nice and early to do a quick recording with us. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're happy to be here. It's (laughs) your show, so... And uh, as we normally do with uh, our lovely little podcast here, as everyone's been accustomed to, is we're going to start with our lovely and only segment we have, What's Fucked. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck is that? And starting this week, I'm going to give the reins over to Christine Strain to start us. Oh, boy. (laughs) No filter strainer. Well, my What's Fucked is pretty fucked up. Um, I actually didn't have a what's fucked prepared today, so I panicked and freaked out. I was going to borrow a what's fucked from either Mike or Misty, Chase or Matt, and then I came across this interesting what's fucked fact. Dun, 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 dun. There is this couple in the States that were married for a, a while. They were using protection and then they wanted to have kids. So the passengers got off in the station and this woman, if you can believe it, is allergic to her husband's sperm. This is a documented thing and the name of it is called Seminal Plasma Hypersensitivity. Literally this girl tried everything, allergy shots, pills, everything, and she had burning and itching in her itching. cooch. Yes, swelling, everything. And so sure. now, now guess what? The passengers have to get out on her ass or on her stomach or something, and that is not happening anymore, and now they are going to adopt kids. Well, so I gotta believe that originally this would have started with a huge fight of what did you give me? Where have you been? What have absolutely, you been doing? Absolutely, absolutely. I yes. feel like it would have been one of those excuses. Been like, I'm allergic to your sperm. You should hear your whore. <laughs> so I said this last Aggressive. week, but like this story has 
layers of fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's a doozy. Yeah, it's a way, good one. Way, way to. Pull that one out. At the, I like that there's the a medical term for it. Huh? Way to pull out, eh, Mike? <laughs> <Right off pump. laughs> uh, yeah, I like that it has like an actual medical term. If these I'm sure he the does people, too. You know what would be really cool is if this girl was listening to the podcast and like got <gasps> she called in. It was oh. like, oh. <laughs> we have her. their names. We and the husband like, called on the other line? Yeah, it's her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh huh. Yeah. No. It's, it's over. It's, it's, the dream is dead. Yeah. All right. That could be a whole other podcast. Well, we're, and that, as uh, as Chase alluded to, is there, there's great potential for just a simple "what's fucked" episode here because there's nothing short in the world of "what's so fucked." Huh. All, right. All right. Well, thank you. You Christine. are so welcome. I'm glad to be of service. So I don't know how you're going to follow up that one, but Matt Minkin. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, mine's not that as interesting, but still interesting. I found a company in the UK that makes custom coffins. Oh, nice. And not like, you know, ornate and like, you know, beautiful. They make like, you can have Doctor Who's TARDIS. Oh. You can have something that looks like a Game of Thrones book. Like Van Halen's 5150. 100%. There's wow. a company, there's like a bakery or something famous, Greg's Sausage Rolls in the UK. You can have your coffin look like a Greg's Sausage Roll. Wow. That's that cool. is very fun. I kind of want to Google it. Yeah. So as I say, that just, you know, I got to add something to my bucket that list. Makes me, <laughs> maybe change my mind about getting cremated. Yeah. You know, because I could have... But you want to be in a sausage casing. If you oh, had to get what, yeah, what, what would you get? get? I, I'm like, the, maybe Homer Simpson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, something like yeah. that. Oh, no, I think you're more of a Peter oh. Griffin. Maybe. That's, that's more what I look like. <laughs> yeah, but that's just to the world. I would go, like, full evil sorcerer. And just in case somebody tries to, like, open my coffin at some point, they're like, I don't know, this looks like it could be cursed. There's and one with sound effects in it when it opens. <laughs> There's one that's a kind of lager. You know, it just looks like a big, you know, frothy beer in a glass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, if you get a pop of Tamori or something like that. Yeah. I think they would, you know, I love it. It, it sounds stupid, but I actually think they'd probably do fairly well. I think they might get a few takers anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they'll definitely get a few takers. <laughs> They're bringing the whimsy back to the death. People you will know? spend yeah. money on anything. Actually, that's funny. I'll link up to that. That's good. <laughs> so, speaking of which, now that we know what Chase's is, we're going to skip this for a second because Chase actually kind of ties into the whole funeral thing. Oh, okay. Um, China has banned funeral strippers. You can no longer have strippers at your funeral. <laughs> Officially? Officially. So, like, that's it. We told you you can have the strippers. You went too far. No more strippers at the funeral. Wow. Well, so, I don't... First of all, I didn't know there was an option. So yeah. That's what I had to change several funeral arrangements that I had already made. So, that you were going to have in China. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'll get buried in China. We'll have some strippers. It'll be a great time. Shit. Everybody will culturally, you know, expand no their lives. funeral strippers. Damn it. Well, episode over. Imagine if you could get the coffin to look like a stage at a strip club, and then you get the stripper to dance on the coffin. Oh, I love it. And one of the strippers is allergic to everyone's sperm. Yeah. All right, keep it rolling. Miss, what do you got? So, here's mine. Uh, In Oregon, there's a children's center on one of the main streets, and um, the police were kept getting calls that... Uh, there was like a man in one of the condos across the street that he was like constantly just staring at all the kids and parents were concerned and so the police received several calls and they thought okay maybe we should investigate 
Uh, parents can be pretty hypersensitive about this kind of thing, and so they withheld and they did. So, to their surprise, there was actually no man standing at the window. Somebody willingly chose to have a cardboard cutout of Arnold Schwarzenegger in their living room. Okay. What? Staring out the window. Yeah, staring out the window. <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> so the interesting part of that, that is, is, did no one recognize Arnold? Yeah, like, I think that you would. But maybe it was high enough that like it just kind of looked like... This is in the States? Uh, yeah, in Oregon. I'm surprised they didn't shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, there he is! <laughs> yeah. 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 Alright. <laughs> so they were like, oh, you know what really looked good in that corner? Garbage Arnold. Like, I mean, why not? Yeah. We have Arnold on the stripper coffin next to the stripper so she can dance around the cutout. Right. Covered we're we're making this the rule. This is going to happen. Covered in semen. Allergic that she's semen. allergic to. <laughs> well, and then uh, finally, but uh, I feel that someone who apparently is not allergic to any is a few episodes ago I discussed how Robert De Niro was having his seventh child with his 30 year old girlfriend. So naturally, one of his good friends, Al Pacino, not to be outdone at 83, is now having a child with his 29-year-old girlfriend. I read that. Yeah. Wow. And this is his fourth, I believe. He's got twins with Beverly D'Angelo. And then he's got, I think he's got one more, maybe two. So maybe five. But, yeah. But 83. So oh, yeah, we, were, we, were, we had a hard time with De Niro being 78. And having this a child. 83. He's 83. To see this kid's 20th birthday, he's going to have to be 103. <laughs> and Al Pacino has smoked religiously, like, forever. <laughs> she is not allergic to that sperm. She is not. No, and she's no. going to give birth on top of his coffee. Yes. <laughs> You'll be dead. Like, yeah. by the time he hits, like, that kid's just starting... There's for sure strippers at that point. Like, as soon as the stripper comes out, somebody hits the button, like that sound goes off, and money just falls from the ceiling because that's what she did. And then Arnold's Schwarzenegger comes in. (laughs) With his donkey that he keeps in his house, which, if you don't know about Arnold Schwarzenegger, keeps a donkey, like, in his house. Yep. Why not? (laughs) Well, everyone, that's. uh... This was this week's one spot. That was really good because they all tied into one another. But you know what? None of us ever really knew. Well, we made it tie in. I think it's great. Yeah, I don't think they're actually tied in since. Oh, okay, China. Yes, it is the six degrees of separation of semen allergen. So this episode has been basically solely based on semen right now, but we're gonna switch it up. We're gonna switch it up a little bit here, but uh, that's. That's what's fucked this week, ladies and gentlemen. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck is that? And we're back. So to kind of top what's happening so far, we're going to discuss careers. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, I guess stripping is a career. Yeah, technically. It is. I once knew a stripper with a horse farm, an investment portfolio, and a brand new Corvette. Mm. And that sounds right. Yeah. So good on them. Mm-hmm. So to follow up on that, mm-hmm. there's always a career out there for somebody. And especially this day and age and what we try to promote here is if you're basically looking at your dead-end job, you hate everything, and everyone, and well, I mean, you can still like your job and have all those things like myself. It doesn't even need to be dead-end. No. But if you just want to try something new, I mean, we always try to motivate people towards going to that end. And... We wanted to bring in people here that, again, have started new careers or have followed up like myself. For instance, I've always followed kind of the same trajectory on my career path. It's always been law or security based, um, where that's not necessarily the case for everybody. 
Um, so I'm like Homer Simpson. I've tried like every job. I was going to say, whereas Chase's is a little different from mine, where he's kind of done a vast majority of jobs. And Maddie, you've done like the same job, but different places. A lot, lot of jobs in the same industry. Same industry, sorry, yeah. yeah. And then with Miss, you've done like a huge, well, I wouldn't say huge. It's kind of related in saying what you've done from like an inside sales position now to realty. Yeah, so I've pretty much done sales-based things for my whole life, but I've gone from one industry to another. And then we bring in Christine, who's in a very similar position. We're going from kind of one industry to a completely other. Yes, I was in retail and then kind of shifted over to project coordinating, and then I went to event coordinating, and then I worked with Miss and her partner on the real estate team and did staging, and now I'm doing business development, like literally from one to the other. Totally different. And let's try to get into that. So starting with, we'll just, let's go round table here. Keep it simple. But the table's square. Shut up. It's actually rectangle. You're right. I was thinking that as I say that, it came out of my there we go. Like you're dropping the ball. <laughs> <laughs> We're both wrong, I guess. So we'll start with let's start with Maddie. Sure. So when you say like like the basically the beginnings is like were you always wanting to go this industry? Like where where did it start, so to speak? No. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. I work in financials, like uh, financial services. So um, you know, I graduated university and I, I did not major in any sort of finance. I did some accounting and statistics and stuff like that. And I went to school in the UK. So when I came back, I just wanted to work. You know, I got a temp job working for a financial services company. And then I got, it was a temp job that turned into a contract, it turned into full time, it turned into a promotion, it turned into going from the manufacturer side of the business to the dealer brokerage side of the business. And I spent a few years there. I got into the retail side of the business. And then I got into people management, which was always kind of the goal for me. I wanted to manage teams and things like that. That was always something I enjoyed doing, like helping people with their careers. And um, I've never been a specialist at something technical necessarily, but I've always been good at, um, you know, finding people to do that are good at things and bringing them together and seeing different personality types in different ways. Resourceful. Yeah, to an extent. I, I think it's just, you know, you, good judge of talent. There's, there's great people at certain things who maybe don't communicate well with all types of personalities and, and you know I, I everyone has their, their flaws and stuff I try to be as inclusive and you know in, in terms of the people and the communication styles that I work with and, and you can't just say I'm comfortable with this right. you have to kind of find you know I've always been okay with being uncomfortable and I think that's one of the things that's been helped me um, you know with my career and pr progressing for whatever that's meant um, I did my first people manager job I, I did for a long time like close to eight years and that was great learned a lot but you get to a point where you get stale you know sure. and you're like okay well I still like managing people but how do I get to the next level and it's not always going to be a linear path like nope. you're not always going to say like oh I'm going to get this promotion I'm going to go from being a manager to a director to a vice president or something like that sometimes to get that you get to a stage you're like okay well that's all I can learn in this job I need to do something else to get to that next level I just don't have the timing or the skill set so I got into like um, more modern continuous improvement I don't know if you guys have ever heard of like lean management it's sort of um, uh, just a different way of approaching project management and things like that I'll get into that and I did some traditional project management around, around the same time I was about a three-year stint um, good skill sets um, use them every single day 
made me better at the job that I do now, but I wanted to get back into people management. Well, so I remember having a conversation with you years ago. I remember because I was at Hess Village at the time, and I was like, this probably isn't a good place to have a conversation about a professional work thing. Why not? Because <laughs> that's just seven years. But um, you were making a lateral move at the time, kind of, and it was interesting because you had been in, you had gotten this job close to where you live, mm. and you yeah. were like, this is awesome, like, my commute's gone, like, I'm basically yeah. able to, like, come and go real fast, and... But then after a certain amount of time, you're like, I got to leave. And I was like, why are you leaving? Like, this is, and you're like, because I can't go forward here. Well, yeah, and I think that's a big thing. You have to sort of look at, you know, your long-term goals. And I think people idealize what they want too much. And I honestly think that's why a lot of people don't get to where they want to be because they're too scared to, like, make concessions. You know, like, you have to be willing to give something up. I knew that if I wanted the opportunities and the mentoring that I wanted, I needed to work for a bigger, in my industry anyway, this isn't for everybody, in my industry, I needed to work for a bigger firm where there was more movement, more people, more departments. And I had to suck it up and do a two-hour-a-day commute each way, you know, and that's, that's just what uh, had to happen at that time. I had this great job, you know, 10 minutes from my house and everything like that with a pretty good company. But the company were stale. They weren't going anywhere. People, the people that I worked with were awesome, but they'd been there for 15 years in the same job. And nobody was moving. And, uh, like, the people above me were quite young. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this, is, this isn't going anywhere. So made that decision to get back into something, and it was the right decision. You never know if it's going to work, by the way. And, that, and that's, I think, what, is, what most people are always terrified about. Yes. The fact is when you want to do something new or you want to transition to something else, they don't know how it's going to work out. And that's actually most of the reason why they stay where they are. Like you said, there's people there that are 15, 20 years because they're just they're, they're comfortable with that. They're happy with that. There's nothing to worry about. Like they know... I work this time to this time. This is what I get. That's that's. It's a mindset fine. issue, you know. Like I, I think it's a mindset issue for sure. Like you, you have fixed mindsets and growth mindsets, right? Fixed mindset is it, it comes with a little bit of fear. Like you know, you, you see something. I want. I'd, I'd love to do this. I, I, I hate hearing that from people. I'd love to do this, but they only want to do it if they're going to be perfect at it or, or recognize right it right off the bat, or within a short period of time they're going to be really good at it mm-hmm. it's like someone wants to learn how to play a sport like, and you guys talk about this right and that's the whole thing of your podcast right just suck at it oh you do yeah. listen <laughs> I listen <laughs> so um, I think you have to just understand that like you're not going to be good as long as you're learning then it's a good thing I mean there's there's all types of different you know reasons to move and not to move you, you got to get into it if it makes sense you know and you do have to consider your lifestyle and I think a lot of people just talk about things one at a time like is this job I want am I going to make the move well that's important and you shouldn't stay in a job you hate but what's the lifestyle you want as well if you've done well at something for a long time you want to make a change I'm not saying don't make the change make the change but understand the lifestyle change that you're going to have as a result because if you're a pro at something and you're making a good living at it and you're moving to something where you're going to be a novice you're going to take some sort of step back either monetarily mm-hmm. or in terms of the feedback you get and the, the opportunities you get, you're going to have to slow it down a little bit. So it's interesting you say that because there's a comic that I follow. His name is Neil Brennan. He wrote Chappelle Show with Dave Chappelle. So he writes, he wrote Half-Baked and then they wrote some other stuff and then he wrote Chappelle Show and they're huge and then Chappelle Show ends and he went and started signing up for open mic nights to do stand-up. And his buddy calls him Benjamin Button because he's doing his career in reverse, right? Like yeah. you're yeah, at the start of the top and all the way back down to the bottom. Right. To come back up to the top, 
but he was like, I knew that's what I wanted. Like that's the the next step I wanted to take was in that world. Mm -hmm. And I knew to get there, I had to go all the way back down on the bottom. It's different though, because you have means. Like obviously if you were at the Chappelle show, you got you got a little bit of gold. <laughs> so um, it's a little bit different, but it's still like, it's restarting your entire thing because you know, at the end of the day, where you want to be is over here and where you're at isn't going to get you there. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think continuous learning is the most important piece. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to have a progressive career and you want to try different things, you should always be building your skill sets. And also consider that like your job is not going to, even if you are comfortable, and this is what I'll say to anyone who is not super keen to change it up, your job will not be your job forever. The world changes too fast. Technology changes too fast. So if you do anything that is remotely manual, that's going to change inside of the next 10 years. So start thinking about how it might change and the skills you might have to have to work in that field, even if you don't want to change your job. So that's interesting because like under Christine's notes here, I saw this thing where it's like being in the same job for 15 years and doing it well and having to change jobs, not necessarily by choice. That's right. I, I was at, uh, well, I was at a job from very young age. I stayed there for 15 years because I was comfortable and Buzzword. Then, comfortable. Yeah. And then she retired. So I was forced in a way to move on. And what was I going to do? I didn't know. I went to school and I went to college, but I was too scared to like do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And I went and got a job at my next place where I kicked ass at it for another 15 years and it was awesome. And then I got injured and I was off work for a while and it was at the point where it was like physically, I shouldn't go back to that job, but also I had run its course. It's like, what, what, where else can I go in this job? Nowhere. I'm going to get, you know, glass ceiling or whatever you want to call it. Like it just stops. Oh, and just it was kind of just that point where it's Still like, stale, right? oh, well, I wasn't my best self mm -hmm. and they weren't their best selves and they weren't going to change. It was old school mindset thinking. Yeah. And so it's like, what am I going to do when I grow up? I was, I decided, okay, that's it. I sent the email and my hand was shaking when I sent it because they were like family and I got no response. So it's like, what the fuck did I put all of my time and energy and people skills mm -hmm. and I got nothing. But it it was just the way they are, like old mindset thinking Italians. Okay, we'll just move on to the next one. And it's like, okay, go fuck yourself. But that's also a hit to the <laughs> ego too though, right? Like if you're spending well, that much because time. I thought, yeah, yeah, I thought they were closer to me than what I, you know, they didn't give it back. Yeah. So that was shit. Yeah. So then I was off work for a while and, you know, I did some things like worked with my friend at her photo studio for a while because I have a creative background and then it's like okay she said you know this place needs an event coordinator why don't you try that so I'm like an event coordinator like I've never done that before really and so I started at it but then all of my skill sets with like people and being creative and putting things together and coordinating stuff so I went from like coordinating trades to like coordinating wedding things and parties and all of those skills I I put into this new Never job. Transferred. Yeah. For sure. But then then the pandemic hit and I yeah. just started getting my toes wet 
And then the pandemic hit, and I got laid off. And there I'm were like, no events to what? <laughs> yeah, there what wasn't much the of anything. What the actual heck is happening here? <laughs> I'm just getting going. Mm-hmm. And so that's fine. The whole world shut down. Um, I became a professional wine drinker and Cheetos eater, which was really great. Fair. It started yeah. at 9.30 in the morning. So I've dabbled in that yeah. field. You didn't excellent. need any training for that at all. That's it's not self-taught. True. That's not you got to open the bottle. Yeah, true. <laughs> so it's like an yeah. exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Change the game. See, modern technology. <laughs> the modern people she went from coordinating like these big projects to like... Solo projects. One drink, like sip. And chew, <laughs> yeah. like you know, takes a lot. Can yeah. I drink and eat at the same time? Yeah, <laughs> and then and then it's like you don't know what to do. So I'm like, well, let's uh, work with Misty Balls and start doing staging. And yeah. you know, so and we I, were busy. Like we were so busy. We the market so was hot. Busy. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. And I'm like, you know, 46 at this point. And it's like, okay, this is cool. But then you're lifting all this furniture and you're physically doing all this shit. And it's like, oh my God, my back is killing me. Like, I know I'm not old, but, you know, we're not 20 anymore. And so we were doing that. And then shifts happened within the team. And I'm like, okay, what am I, what am I going to do when I grow up? Once again, it's that ongoing question. And I totally <clears throat> took a chance and went and sat down with someone, and I went into more of a corporate world and started um, doing project coordinating for a brand. And now I'm in the business development sector of the the company, and it's like, it's great. holy shit, I can do this! <laughs> and it's so I'm funny because man. yeah, I'm like pulling all of my skills that I have learned over the last like. 30 years. Well, what's funny about that is like Christine and I spent pretty much the entire pandemic attached at Mm -hmm. the hip, working, drinking, avoiding our, yeah, you name it, we did it. And um, we talked a lot about this kind of stuff during the pandemic because Christine was not working and, you know, and it was, uh, there were times that it was tough on you to think, what do I do next? Where am I going to go? But I think the thing is, is that, um, now you kind of touched on this, like um, everything that you did previously, it was like different um, industries, but all the same types of thing, like coordinating, attention to detail, organization. Like Christine is a problem solver. Like I know no other. If you have a problem, I call Christine and phone calls are made and things happen and then it's fixed. (laughs) So, you know, and these are the things that she took from job to job to job, even though the jobs were not the same. Mm -hmm. And applying for jobs now. So we're all, I'm assuming, I don't actually know how old you guys are, but I'm going to be 48 in July. And so back in the day when you went to apply for a job, it either you know got to the point where it was on online but you would submit to an email mm-hmm. to a person and then you would be able to pick up the phone and follow up and call a person and say hey I just wanted to say it was so nice to you know meet you yesterday now you're you just submit on these websites for jobs submit 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 there's no one to follow up to it's so frustrating. There's no like person to person. So if your resume doesn't fit within this box of what they're looking for, they just 
it's oh, fine. you're taking it's in the garbage. But like, meanwhile, they might be passing up someone that might ha- not have the exact in the box skills that you want. The but there's no way around. You're that. overlooked. There's well, no actually, way so like a friend of mine works very high up in Apple in corporate, and he when he applied for the job, the one somebody who also worked for Apple said to him, "You have to make your resume stand out." And so he made his resume look like the cover of a Forbes magazine, mm-hmm. and like with his That's picture on it and everything. It. And now idea. he is moved to from Hamilton to Cupertino, working in Apple head office, ex- like probably too removed from um, <clears throat> Tim Cook and like he uh, th- that's how he got hired right that's amazing yeah well you got again it's like showcasing a different skill or yeah. thinking outside the box and that's what everyone's always you know, looking there's ways for. to sort of get through the red tape sometimes or at least give yourself a fighting advantage mm-hmm. if you're if it's any company that's less than a thousand people the barrage of resumes that goes online no matter what they have it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Like right. If you work for a huge bank or a massive company like Apple or you know, one of these companies that literally yeah. have thousands of resumes a day, there's going to be bots involved and there's going to be things like that, I'm sure. Like sure. I, I can't speak for these specific companies out of you know, experience. Well, Apple's got bots. That? Apple's got bots. There's bots, right? And they're probably outdated. They're, they're filtering out. Like if you don't have keywords in your resume, yeah. I, I've definitely heard about stuff like that. I've also never seen it personally. I have. And I've worked for big companies, yeah. right? Yeah, I know. For 100%, yeah. if you don't have keywords... Your resume, it's literally in, misses all the word, you're not even, you're not I, even I get a zip file of every single resume that re- is received. Oh, I, I can still get them. But now, whether or not people look at them is a different story. Sure. So, I mean, my main tips when it comes to applying for a job are, first of all, don't have a standard resume. You can have a template, but you need to customize it for the job that you're applying for. Don't have a linear, always have a linear um, uh, work history put the most relevant experience at the very top yeah. in a box. This is the most relevant experience I have because the most relevant experience you have might have been four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Might have been two jobs ago. And you may be trying to get back into it. People say nobody reads cover letters. That's not completely true. I read cover letters mm-hmm. and well, I think... So interesting about that, sorry. It's good. Um, two of my former stepkids just got jobs, right? Like basic starter jobs, you know, like one of them's dishwasher, the other one works McDonald's. But when we went to go make their resumes, my mom sent me this program. She's like, here, just have them do it on this. So I opened up the computer. I'd never used it because I didn't need to make a resume at the time. I was like, go. So they just, the resume thing asked a bunch of questions. They answered the questions and spit out a resume. And then I was like, okay, so here's the resume. And they're like, do you want to make a cover letter? And I was like, oh, because I always hated writing cover letters as a kid. Like, I don't, it's like anything. You don't want to talk about yourself, right? You don't want to be like, well, I'm really good at this and I'm really good at that. And you just feel like a dick. So I put it into, like, up comes the thing, same thing, asked a bunch of questions, it yeah. spit out this cover letter that was better than every, any cover letter I've ever written in my entire life. So it's like, it's are you really getting the person, or are you getting, like, well, the... Now, the biggest mistake people make with cover letters, I find, is number one, they make them too long, and you, people will not read them if they're too long. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to understand that someone is going yeah. through 50 resumes, if it's, not read them all. if it's more than a page... Uh, it should, I, it I, should I, be I, more than two, three paragraphs yeah, personally, but I mean, every, every person's going to say something different. Also, if you just write the information that's in your resume, in your cover letter, it's a waste of a piece of paper. They already have that information. Mm -hmm. Don't talk about your work history. Talk about you. Why do you want that job? Personalize it to that job. Mm -hmm. And there's ways to find out more about that job, Um, particularly with larger corporations. Go online, go on LinkedIn, and look up recruiters and HR staff for the company that you want to work for. And 
send invitations to them because mm -hmm. then because what often happens is either HR professionals from companies or hiring managers will post positions on LinkedIn and then HR people will repost and reshare and if you see a job that you're interested in message the you now have them as a connection you can right. send them in mails so send them an in mail and say hey I'm really interested in this job you know I think I have some really good skills but would it, you know, even if it wasn't a formal interview, could I get half an hour of someone's time to have a sit down? And mm. you know what? You may get zero responses, but I've, a hundred, I've, I've been successful with this myself. And people mm. will call you back or meet you for a coffee or give you a half hour phone call. And then right off the bat, you have more exposure than any other the thousand people or 200 people that have applied because you've already talked to them. Mm -hmm. And then you can follow up by saying, do you mind if I get your personal email address to send you a copy of my resume? Always apply online though. That really pisses HR people yep. off if you don't follow the process. They're like, you're not special. Yep. Like you'll see if people say, I'm interested. Great. Or hashtag I'm interested. And then they expect them to reach out to them like they're, they're so special or something like that. No, you have to go through the process. Like show that you're willing to do the work. Show humility. And um, yeah, use LinkedIn as a tool to add contacts, you know. And it's funny that you brought up the one key thing that's, that's differentiated kind of I would say like our generation of workers to this generation is putting in the work. And it's like you said, I don't know how many people, first off, mm. and, and, it's, and it's automatic now, like even spelling mistakes. Like mm. when you get a resume or if they get the person they're hiring or the company name wrong, or they copy and paste from a previous job they've applied for, it has mm. nothing to do with yours. Nobody wants to put in basic work anymore. Like uh, it's that whole yeah. I'm entitled, I applied, so why didn't I get the I, job? I meet a lot of people that do. I, I I truly don't believe that the sort of entitled behavior is generational. Like that's just my personal opinion. I think it is personality. I think there's there's people I've met that are boomers who are super entitled and Gen X that are like mm -hmm. Gen X are super entitled and I've met Gen Z and millennials that are super entitled and I guess I'm kind of close to being on the on the cusp of millennial Gen X. You're entitled. Xennial sort of thing. And you're entitled. But um, <laughs> for sure, absolutely. But I you know I, I think putting in the work is is the thing. Don't just send generic crap out. And expect you know like people are saying oh, I'm just gonna send 100 resumes out. If you send 100 generic resumes out, you are maybe gonna get 10% callback, and if you're lucky, 1% job mm -hmm. out of 100. And that's that's probably not gonna happen if you're too generic. I think it's very helpful too with who you know nowadays for sure. and connections when you're applying for a job. For sure, monetize your connections yes. at all times. Yes, yeah, but. Keep in mind that if somebody's going to bat for you, because this is this has happened to me before, where somebody's like, "Yo, can you get me into your company?" And it's like, probably, but I also know that like you're a shit worker. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not gonna put my name out there for you if you're just gonna come in and be shit. So I'm like, yeah, monetize your stuff, but like understand that the way that people perceive you in your day to day life, or like if you if every time we hang out, you're like. I hate my job so much. So yesterday I just didn't even go, and then two days before that I like slept for four hours in the back room, or whatever. You know what I mean? Then it's like okay, and then two weeks later you come to me and you're like, hey, is there any chance you get me a job at your company? No, absolutely not. No, like I'm offended. I, and I would have, and I would have no problem telling someone that. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, no. <laughs> you shouldn't seek out opportunities only when they are presented. You know, you should if you want to continuously grow in your career. You should be always planting seeds and growing yeah. relationships to seek out opportunities and using language that is broader to not also put you in this small little, you know, uh, hole that only is going to be like, I want to be 
the vice president of this. Well, then that's people. That's all people are going to see you as, sure. right? So, and maybe that person has a skill to do that, by the way. But they're going to wait for that job. Sure. If you just say, "I want to have a position that allows me to continuously learn, have a broader sense of responsibility, work more strategically, or something like that," like just use words like that, and you talk to the right people, they'll start thinking about you in a whole bunch of different situations and tell people your salary goals. This is more like when you're working with people and you want to grow in your own company, but. And, and when you're looking externally, don't necessarily approach a company that has a job posting. Say, I really like what your company does. And I've seen positions in the past posted for this that really interest me. Is there any way I could talk to somebody about future opportunities? I had a, I had a kid do that years ago. Um, for me, came in just to ask what we do. He was graduating university, didn't know idea what he wanted to do. He just came in to find out more about the industry. Not even our company, just the industry. And sure. I was blown away by that. Mm. And he had great questions. He was humble, and he was like, "If anything ever comes up here, I'd, I'd love to discuss it." I hired him six months later. I love that. You know what I mean? And he's mm -hmm. still there. Like, mm -hmm. Fifteen years later, he's had several jobs, and he's moved up. You know, like mm. I love to see that. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I feel like Matt should have a side career of a life coach because I'm listening to you talk, going, "Man, this guy's motivating." <laughs> so with the salary goals thing, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that's something that. A lot of people are afraid to ask, like when they're like, well, what are you looking to make? They're, they'll lowball themselves huge because they want to get the job, right? So they'll go, oh, you got to ask for what you want reasonably. Like you can't go yeah. to a job and be like, I'm looking to make about 50000 a month. Where are you guys at? Unless that's where you're at in sure. your career, right? So like you have to have a reasonable idea of what you're worth and then go in and ask for that. The worst they're going to say is like, we can't give you that, but we can give you this. And then you decide whether or not that's... If you ask for a number, nine times out of ten, the answer will be no. Right. Because there's salary grades that people work within, right? And it has to be fair. Even if you are worth more, it has to make sense from like, um, you know, a, a calibration perspective. But these are not my words. This is something I heard from a, a, this, this guy, this motivational speaker guy. But I think the advice is awesome. He says, tell people, you know, this is a salary that I would like to work to. You know, like, and how can my role develop to get me closer to that salary? So, because you're not asking for money, no, you're asking for opportunity, you're asking for responsibility, mm -hmm. and I and I think that that is a really good way to go about it, um, because you're not just saying I'm awesome, pay me more for doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're saying I don't know, I like that. But so, <laughs> so in my old job, I worked in uh, sales and um, a lot. I had a base salary and at my old job, but then I took home like a commission percentage of what projects we right. sold. And I had a review one year, um, and there's two things about my review that year that stood out to me. And one of them was I went in with a number that I wanted in terms of my commission, which was significantly higher than what... I knew I was probably going to get. But I went in very prepared, not only with numbers, but with what I was good at and with the pro like clients that I brought into the company and the relationships that I had formed and the work that I had done. And I ended up leaving with the commission that I asked for. Nice. And part of that was, you know, you're pitching yourself, but you also know the value in what you brought to the jobs. Right. And so I was pretty confident in that. And, uh, but, you know, not like, like I wasn't just going in saying, I'm awesome. Like, you know, as you said, there was reasons why I went, I worked to that number and yeah. I was super prepared. I had dollar values and hours of what I worked and 
you know, that's an interesting tip because like mm-hmm. you're coming at it from the entrepreneurial point of view as mm-hmm. well. And that's something I'm not experienced mm-hmm. with at all. I am not an entrepreneur. 100% mm-hmm. I like working for, you know, yep. organized structure. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just who I am. I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur. And the, the strategy is going to be a little different on mm-hmm. that side, right? Yeah. Because it's more of a negotiation, you know, it was. based on services yeah. that you're providing. And, right? and, so and I wasn't confident that, you know, I would end up getting the top number that I went for, but I was confident that I would do better than what I knew I was supposed to get. Yeah. And so the other thing, that, this is just like a random funny story. The other thing that happened in that review was um, they gave me like a write-up of my review, right? Like a hard copy, like in like a notebook. And I was driving home that day along Highway 5, and I had my review on my steering wheel. And as I was driving in traffic... It was a very definition of distracted driving. I was reading through my review. because that's While making muffins in an easy bake oven to the right. Yeah. And so I was like thinking about these things while I was driving, and I got a text from the owner of my company while I was driving home. And I read it, obviously, because I was already distracted. Why not be more distracted? And it said... I that she's justifying. Right. And it said, the text that I got from him said, one thing I forgot to mention in your review, but reading your review on the way home is also not recommended. And so the owner of my company was driving beside me in the lane beside me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the best. Yeah. So when you text back, the car has autopilot. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> except whoa, whoa. it's an early two thousand and one Tesla XL. <laughs> yeah, but cool. anyway, yeah. So. So awesome. it's the the like. So I was raised by entrepreneurs. Like both my parents were entrepreneurs from when I was young, and. So I don't do well in corporate. It's actually why I'm leaving the job I'm at now because I was like, it used to be a mom and pop company, super easy. Like I understood, because I knew what the owner wanted. So it was like, this is what the owner wants. Everybody else in this list, I will pay you a degree of respect as far as what you want, but I know that this is the end goal. Like this is what everything has to look like. Then the corporation came in because he retired Mm -hmm. and they kind of went more corporate because they're a huge company now. And it was like, it just felt like you could feel things just being clawed back. You know yep. what I mean? Like everything you'd ever had is just slowly being taken back from you. And it was just like, I can't, I can't do the corporate side of it. There's too much. I was, I was talking to my mom once and I was like, this is so inefficient. Why are they doing it like this? And she's like, corporations need to run inefficiently. It's something that they have to do. I don't understand it. It's a banking thing. Like, I don't know. But they're like, it's better for them to run inefficiently. I, I have no idea why again. She explained it to me, but much like what she does for a living, I wasn't really paying attention. And it went <laughs> She's like, what do you do for a living? <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I can't see. Chase is wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt right now. <laughs> and Mickey Mouse has a floral pattern outfit on. Yeah, matching shoes. Yeah, shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Continue. There's no judgments here. It's fine. Well, I, know, I was wearing my other shirt, but I wore it yesterday, so I was like, I should change. <laughs> But you know, Adelte, a lot of people listening to smell me. If it makes you feel better, the other one said, get in, loser, we're getting tacos. And it was three cats in a car. Like, <laughs> Why didn't you wear that? Because I wore it yesterday. It was <laughs> dirty. I but anyway, back to hating corporate. I think oh. the other thing, too, is I'm, I found that <clears throat> when, you know, you change jobs in your mid-40s, like, I don't know, I feel like ever since I turned 40, my... I just looked at one of my notes. My patience for human beings are mm. 
a little less than they were 20 years ago. So your expectations are higher. Oh, that's I always look and, at and, that's, yeah. and I agree with that 100. Like percent you're just the way, way more yeah. mature, and you hopefully in some cases, but I, I just feel. It's hard to deal with stupid now. Oh, <laughs> yes. It and is very hard. Laziness. Nobody yeah. takes, I shouldn't say They can't take, well, there's a lot of people who don't take ownership for anything they no. do or just. And no pride in like what they're doing. Like what is wrong with people? Common sense. Like, oh, that's well gone. Uh, that, oh, my entire industry is based on common and sense. And you can't teach common sense to a degree like you. I, I don't know. It's so it's interesting. A shit show. It's interesting. Communication skills. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> That's how you wrap it up. You want me to pick up the phone and call that person? Why? I can hide behind an email. It's like oh. My so it's well, interesting that you say that though. So like, um, uh, patience and all these things. So I was speaking to my former business partner and I was frustrated with something one time in regards to work and I was like, this is so frustrating, blah, blah, blah. And she said to me, why is your expectation of this person so high? And I'm like, well, because, and she was like, you know, flat out, like not everyone works the way you work. So why is your expectation of this person fit in this box? And so I think that like, having no expectations or low expectations are what you kind of have to do now to get mm. either pleasantly surprised or realize that, like... need at least a like, baseline. Like, you can't have yes. the same expectations of others of yourself. That's right. Because you'll always be disappointed. You'll always you know? be disappointed. You need standards. You need a yes. standard, standard that's 100%. like, this is the bottom you can get yeah, to. There has you to be a minimum. You this, I can't yeah. work with you. Right. Because we fire trades all the time. Sure. Where it's just like, there still has to be good work being done. Yeah. But if someone is less energetic about it or takes 10% longer to do it, or needs more help doing it, doesn't mean they're doing a bad job. No. It means that they are not as proficient as someone else. And I always have to take in a lot of different factors, years of years of experience, mm-hmm. age, you know, the motivation they have for having that job, mm-hmm. you know, as well as so people have totally different motivations for what they, why they're in a position. Some, there could be 10 of the same role, five of them are super ambitious and want to move up, Two of them are th- there as a second income and really are just there to make their paycheck and go home, but are nice and have sure. a decent attitude. And then three are just sort of want to be really good at one thing and do that forever. Right. And then and there's nothing wrong with any of those necessarily, but there's always going to be frustration between those ten people. Sure. The five people are going to be competing against each other. Yeah. And judging and you know all that kind of stuff. Three people are probably going to be okay, but also going to be a little dismissive because they don't care about the arguing and stuff. And two people are just not going to are, are going to be probably pretty quiet. Right. Yeah, they're not going to partake. They're in not going to. They're not going to get involved. They're not going to be decision makers. Not a lot of ideas, and you have to just sort of keep the peace amongst and just say, well, everyone's got different reasons for being there. Yeah, you have to get along, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It's frustrating. It and that is. That doesn't go away. You can be you no. can be as objective as you want. It's still going to piss you off some days. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's okay. Yeah, you know? as long as you're putting in any sort of effort and like we said earlier like if you're not happy where you are like you you kind of have to make a decision eventually like you know maybe it's not for me or it's not for now any sort of effort is a dangerous statement though because like if you're shit at something but you just try really hard and you're still shit at it yeah but then you you need to be real with yourself in the sense that like maybe I'm not the person for this like I am not great at at numbers Mm -hmm. I'd be a terrible accountant Mostly because I wouldn't do anything because I'd be like, I don't want to do it. Sorry. If you're shit at something and you know you're shit at it, you have to be real with yourself and be like, you know what? I can't 
like I need to maybe make a change here as far as like where I should go next because if I'm just doing the same thing over and over again and not getting a positive result and no matter how much work I put into it, the result is not getting better. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to change directions. Well, the other thing is too is like you could do, like if you wanted to try that and you're just not doing well, there's there's a difference because someone should be offering you feedback and assistance and stuff like that. Because if you're legitimately interested and you're trying, mm-hmm. that's different from someone being like, I just don't give a shit about this job. That's totally different. Mm-hmm. And whereas it's kind of the opposite message we want to say, like if you're interested in trying something, like you know that's kind of what we're all about. But if you know, just because you suck at it mm-hmm. doesn't mean you shouldn't try it or get some feedback and try to improve on it. I mean, there's certain things like, you know, you may not be able to ever get better at something and then you just kind of have to face the facts. You want to change. You're not happy. People are, I think people, they they take predefined jobs and say, which one's better? And Mm -hmm. and I think that's the wrong approach. I think you need to reverse engineer the reason that you're unhappy in the first place. What is it about my current situation that I don't like? Is it, because if it's an individual you don't like, then the job's actually probably not the problem. You know, it's, it's, it's an environment, it yeah. can be toxic, it could be someone that you're not learning from. If it's the structure, okay, if it's the type of communication that happens, fine. If it's the job itself, okay, well, what about that job you don't like? Is it too physical? Is it too non-physical? It's like a relationship, yeah, like, really. Exactly. Like, yeah. what, are, what things aren't working for you? Mm-hmm. And those are the characteristics you want to see improve. So don't think about the job you want to do. Think about the things you want to see that are different and then try to speak to people like talking is key. I always understand what other people are doing. I'm always interested in what people do for a living and what jobs fit those things mm-hmm. that are missing. Because if you just get on, you know, Indeed and they're like, oh, that looks fun. Grass isn't always greener. No. You know what I mean? And for sure. You're find, if you're going to make a move, and like, you know, we were talking about like, we're all in our 40s and stuff. So when you're making a move a little older, there's more risk. Yeah, there's know? a significant so, more of an impact when you're going to And change. I'm not saying don't follow passions and don't do any of that. Like, I'm definitely a more cautious person, but absolutely you shouldn't be unhappy just because you're used to a lifestyle. You, know, you need to make changes if you're not. you got to be happy. If you're 40, you got a long time to work. 25 years mm-hmm. is a long freaking time to be unhappy. Yeah, but Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, too. you like, you got to do it at the, right, at the right pace. If you make brash moves, you might be even more unhappy. But I mean, no matter what choice you make, there's going to be a period of adapting and then you decide again, did this work or do I need to change again? And then it's just one of those things, make a choice and live with it and then adapt. And I, and I think that's the best thing you can do. But people want everything. Well, I, I want more money and I want to sure. do more fun and I want to work from home and I want to do well. Money is not. <laughs> you might not get all those things. And it's, money might be less. It's. Yeah. It, I think the sad thing about that is like you think about, you know, changing a job in your 40s, okay? And it's like, I'm unhappy at my job. What can I do? Where can I go? It's not always that easy. You throw in two kids, a mortgage payment, complacency, where do I live? What kind of time do I have to look for a new job? It is really hard to get out. All the other things that come down too, right? Yeah. Mortgage payment's one thing, sure. but car insurance, sure. gas, That's what heat. I mean, right? Yeah. Like you're adulting at a high rate and you are unhappy and where do you find the time to leave the unhappy to go to so in similar to what you were saying like i think the first thing to do is why are you unhappy what about your job is making you unhappy it's like being in a relationship why are you unhappy what about the relationship is making you unhappy sometimes it's a part of a bigger picture a way bigger picture you're unhappy with yourself you're unhappy that you're not progressing at the rate well why are these things not 
why are you not progressing? Why, you know, it's like soul searching almost. 100%. And, and you're, you might be unhappy or more stressed, not because of the job has right, changed right. or not changed. Yep. It could be your life has changed. Mm-hmm. You've changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got two little kids at home that are keeping you up all night or something like that. Sure. You know what I mean? Like that, that, now I'm, now I'm, I'm too tired to do the work that I was doing before. And the commute bothers me way more than it used to. And the late nights bother, like are a real problem now with my lifestyle. And that's a decision you have to make is, is that a problem that is long-term for you or is that a problem with an expiration date? And that's something I I tell the people all the time. You shouldn't get so stressed about problems that have expiration dates because they go away. Yeah, temporary. If you can tough, but if it's going to be a 10 year expiration date, maybe you need to change change. But if it's going to be a year, and you really liked the job before, and it could be really good after this temporary situation is done with. Maybe you want to tough it out, but again, everyone's got to make their own decision, you know, and what they can tolerate and what's what's going to make them happy. Mike, you during the pandemic went from commuting to Toronto every day and to never leaving the basement. It's been a wonderful change. <laughs> I, I, I would. Like, even to your point about commuting all the time, how it really destroys, like, Mm. what you're used to. I mean, when you're going to Toronto, you know, four or five days a week, like, and that's commuting every day. Like, I was losing my fucking mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, like, I going from the GO train to the subway to the office. Car, yeah. It's two hours every day. But when I drove, 45 minutes in, coming home, three to seven hours driving. Like... (laughs) There was, there's no winning, and like well, we live in a country with snowstorms. Yeah, you know I, I mean, like it doesn't have to be snowstorm. There could be someone pulled over, stars. and that's it. Traffic's fucked. It's like, oh, the guy pulled over. I wonder why. Let's all stop. <laughs> oh, he's fine. We should continue. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. So me cutting out that improved my like the like my willingness to actually do more work, especially from home, because I can do almost my entire job from home. So for me, is that's been a positive change, and I got to spend time more with the kids and stuff. So. For me, so there's been a lot of changes with my job that have made it so this interesting though because we've got a person that we're dealing with at work that there's concerns that being at home is too distracting. Yep, and that, small children involved. Yep, and they're trying to do work. Yep, and they're getting distracted, and then not so much distracting like they're not answering their phone or they're not answering emails, but they're answering them wrong. You know yes. what I mean? Like there's more mis- like the mistakes are growing exponentially, mm-hmm. and we're trying to figure out like how did you go from being like a, a reasonably good worker who had everything under control to, you know, kind of a mess. And I think you just answered that question. Well, yeah, it's, that's what we're... Some, some people can't regulate, and no. that is something you have to take in consideration when you have a work-from-home policy, that, you know, that's the company's time. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's nice, like, throw a little laundry on. You know, you get a few little benefits and stuff like that of working from home for sure, but you're mm-hmm. still working. Sometimes you I know? would say to Mike, like, you haven't left the basement in days. And then he goes, <laughs> yeah. But and he would be like, trims his and your point <laughs> is, you know, it didn't bother him where like I would have gone stir crazy. Now I would say probably somewhere mid pandemic, you went out and started going to help out at the movie theater because you were like, I gotta get out of the house. So eventually it kind of did get to him, but now you're back to the point where... Well, now it's changed from right. never going in to like my two a week, right? So. The one thing I found, because we were all, I was only off for the first lockdown. Like they didn't send us home for most of it because my job requires us to be on site. But I found it was easier to live a better lifestyle as far as like health and like balance 
than it was when I had to go and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're on a train every morning and then you get to work and you haven't eaten before you got there, well, you're going to grab something on your way into work. You're going to grab something that's probably not that good for you nope. and you're going to eat that and then you're going to probably, like, maybe you brought your lunch, maybe you're going to buy something else. So now you're eating like two fast food or whatever meals a day, and then you're going home, maybe you're making dinner, maybe you're just like, oh, I'm so tired because I was just doing four hours of commuting yep. plus eight hours of right. work. I'm like 12 hours into my day, I don't have the energy to do anything else. Nope. And right. so... I'm out of sub. Yeah, like yeah, I'm out of sub or... Now yeah. you're burdening yourself financially because then that's the case, like especially with the commute. The cost of commute, cost of foods mm-hmm. and snacks and, mm-hmm. and like every single, like everything adds up and like I'm up at four... I wasn't getting home till like six or seven. Six or seven. Like that's my day. Like I'm, I was fucking exhausted. Mm-hmm. So like I, I just like, am I gonna do anything? No. Like I'm definitely not gonna. Like Remote if I work make is anything. a big part. And like if it, if that's important to you, you have to really think about the career that you want mm-hmm. because it will limit you in many careers. Mm-hmm. If you want a hundred percent or five percent work from home, I work from home still a lot, and I, you know, I think that'll likely change a little bit over time here and there, but I don't think we'll go full on back to the office or anything like that. I think we've had too many benefits from being at home. But I know a lot of people who, you know, want to get into people management and stuff like that, but are real sticklers about working from home for various reasons. You can't be a people person online. You you have to be like, if no one's in, I'm not going in. But if one person asks me to talk to me in person, I will go in. Mm -hmm. Even though no one else is there. And that's what you have to do. And if if you have new people start, you have to go in to greet them. Meet them in person, take them for a coffee. If you have ten people start, you got to host training camps right. and things like that. And you have to go in for so most of the time you work from home, but maybe two months you need to be in three, four days a week, and you have to be flexible. Mm-hmm. You know, so if that flexibility, if that's the job you want, the flexibility has to come with it. You know. Yeah, and and um, Christine, you said that like it was really interesting to you getting this new job and learning that you worked so much better with structure and like I have to have structure works better for you oh yeah I gotta have the structure 100% yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I'm learning too that it's nice to be at home I I was going into the office every day when I first started but um, now that I'm at home and I've got my office set up like I act as if I'm going to work every day so, you know, I have a shower, I get dressed, I do my jam, and I sit at my desk. But it's nice to have um, the flexibility to have breaks from your screen. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you get headaches or, mm-hmm. you know, sitting too long. So um, it's nice to have the flexibility to just go out and walk the dog or throw a load of laundry in or whatever it may be. Tomorrow I have to go into the office. So that'll be a whole different feeling because then I'm stuck in traffic. Absolutely. For the people who are working from home now, I've found the ones who seem to be enjoying the most are the ones who have created their own routine at home. Mm-hmm. So like the structure is not the same as like I'm in an office and my boss is sitting over there and if I don't do what I'm supposed to do now, I'm going to get in trouble. It's okay, I'm going to get up, I'm going to have my shower, I'm going to make breakfast, I'm going to take my coffee and then go into my office, I'm going to work for X yeah, amount yeah, of hours yeah. and then like you make your own structure kind of yeah. behind it. The people that have done the best are the ones that are like, I love this. And I'm comfortable with a job mm-hmm. that has this type of, you know, the advancement will be in work from home realm. Mm-hmm. And they kick ass at it to make sure that they can maximize the benefits of being at home, being able to do that load of laundry, take the dog for a walk, cook dinner and stuff like that, and not waste all that time commuting. So they really try hard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the rule. The exception is the people that treat it like a snow day. I would yeah. describe it, I would describe very, it very, very as very the kids are up past their bedtime. 
So you know when you were little and you were up past your bedtime, but your parents hadn't noticed. So you were being so good, yeah, because you're basically trying to like vanish, right? Like Sid did that last night. She had the whole blanket over. Her. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, how, how long have we had this blanket here? There's a child in this blanket. Like, but no, like you, you, you do. If you get into a situation where you're you're comfortable with the way your job is going, you will work extremely hard to keep that situation the same. The thing that might fuck you though is that. The office might decide at one point, it's not working for us anymore. We're going to switch you back. And even though you've done all that work now, there's probably a real feeling of like, well, that's not fair. I was doing so well. Like I, I did everything for, sure. for you. And for now sure. you're taking it away from me. Yeah. But that's the nature of work, right? But that's like, the whole thing. Fluid, 100%. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's things that people will say and, it, and it's, there's, there's legitimate reasons. If you have a high turnover rate in a, in a company... Being in office is going to be a requirement at least three or like two to two to four days a week sure. because you have that many new people that need to be socialized. If you have a really low turnover, you know, working from home isn't so bad. You don't lose a lot of people. So, and that's the thing; it's going to be fluid. Right. You know, we go through all the like, the quiet quitting stage, the ghosting jobs, mm-hmm. and all that. We've gone through that over COVID and everything. And people have lost mass, like these huge companies lose these massive amounts of people at once. They're like, okay. So you can't have a complete work, you know, remote work, you no. know, uh, work from home thing at that point. Too many companies out there are, are too confident in their decisions right now. I, I think just like anything else, you need to be flexible and you need sure. to adapt. So our office, we have an office in Oakville. It's like a whole floor of an office tower. Excuse me. The only people with actual offices now are the head executive team. Yep. Every good. other office in the entire floor is a hoteling suite. Every single one. You're not allowed to have any personal stuff on your desk anymore because that's not going to be your office tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you can't have like a picture of your kid or whatever. You could, sorry, you could, but you if just you got to take it that day, you got to take it with you. <laughs> so it's like there is no, at least where I'm at, there is no like community anymore. You know what I mean? It's like people come and go as they're needed. And I think it's going to make them very interchangeable at some point. Like very, oh, you know what? We don't really need this person. Like, we've got because you also days. don't see what they're doing. Right. And so like, unless you work in an environment that's very, um, account, like they're holding you accountable to what you do. And I I mean, for the most part, results are results, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're, but, um, you don't see what people are doing. You don't see, you know, and, and everything's through an email or text message. And so that's, open to interpretation as well. It's very hard to reconcile too. Like email is a horrible way to communicate Yeah. because how do I know? hundred emails came into a department. How do I know all of them have been addressed? Right. Mm-hmm. And to what level? What what audit is on that? So you know, companies that have put in workflow systems and mm-hmm. use these knowledge management systems and stuff like that, they're the ones that are doing better because they're able to monitor what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you know, people go, you know, I could be a little big brother and whatnot, mm-hmm. but there's value to that. You know, yeah. you, you again, you need that baseline. You need to see if standards are being met. Otherwise. Every opinion people have about a department or a person or a set of people, it's all subjective. It's all just opinion based, right? Yeah. And, well, well who, like who knows if they're actually doing a good job? Right? Emails are like text messages in that sometimes tone is very difficult to yes. convey. Yes. And I always like whenever somebody's like, oh, I'm fighting with my girlfriend, I was like, don't fight with her on a text message. This is the stupidest thing you're ever going to do because you're going to make a joke trying to lighten the, like, break the mood or whatever, and it's gonna, not going to land, and then it's going to go. Boom! And it's yeah. gonna get worse. And emails can do that too. Now, obviously, it's not the same exact thing, but it's like if you're writing to your boss, and then you know it, it, you haven't seen them in months, and you write something kind of flippant, and that relationship isn't there anymore, and it's like, go talk to people. Plain and simple. 
got to go talk to your coworkers, go talk to your boss, talk to as many people I as you can. don't wanna. <laughs> you got to talk to people. Another thing as well, like you can get stale in your career for a lot of reasons. And like, I've reported to someone for like years, the same person, and there was a lot of benefit in that. But you get to a point where if you only have one mentor in your career, it's going to put a ceiling on yeah, your Yeah, it limits it right after you know? that. You need to get multiple mentors. Most large corporations have mentorship programs. Sign up for them. Most you know, corporations have job shadowing programs. Sign up for them. If you're in a smaller firm, ask to shadow someone else's job. You know, just I want to learn more about what like, people do. In yeah. my job, real estate, like there's not a lot of training and stuff for you available to you. You're kind of on your own, you sign up to work for Roy, like I work with Royal LePage, I sign up to work with them and that's, you know, my training was up to you. Uh, yeah. All and your training so, was, they think, is your school, sure. right? Like, and so <laughs> what I would say is like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, I worked alongside Terry, who um, was a seasoned real estate agent. However, it was also up to me to seek out other people to learn from, right? Mm-hmm. Because. Terry does things one certain way and she does a great job, but what's holding me back from learning from other people? Nothing. I have to take it upon myself to reach out to other agents, other brokerages. Know more about the business holistically. Other professionals, yeah. Yeah. Like even from a lawyer's perspective or, um, you know, a mortgage broker perspective. Mortgages are not my expertise. Do clients ask me what about mortgages? Absolutely. I have to learn this stuff, even from a surface level. So I can have the conversations with them. Building strong relationships, especially in my business, is like the key to success, right? 100%. In real estate, it's all about networking. Mm-hmm. And, and like the more people you know, the more people look at your stuff who might have a client for you. Yeah. So. And like, so we talked about me getting a second job somewhere, like doing something, right? Which, I mean, seems feasible and I probably have the time, but at the same time, like... I am super flexible right now to all of my clients, all of the people that I'd like to set up meetings with, um, and my children. Mm-hmm. So like, it's it's a win-win. Like, Mike is in the basement all the time. We have a four-year-old. Um, we can't keep him in the basement. That's not daycare, you know? And so these are the things that like we've done, and I went back to school in my 40s to learn how to be a real estate agent. And it adapted to our life. It fit with the things I was good at. And, you know. That reminds me of something I wanted to bring up. The government does offer those retrain courses, right? Where it's like you can get money from them to go back to school to like to do stuff like that. Where if you want to transition out of your one thing to another thing, it's it's there and it's possible. It's um, Do they limit that to what you can do? Like are they pitching well, that sure. to like healthcare or they're driving it towards healthcare and yeah, trades okay. right now yeah, because that's where they desperately need sure. people, but um, it, it goes back to what you were saying before about being a self starter. Like yeah. you're the one who's gonna have the government's not gonna call you and be like, Hey, do you want this money to go to school? <laughs> like you have to go get them and yeah. say, like, I want and, that and money. It was hard, right? <laughs> yeah. And as it should be. You know I, I, mean? I did the biggest thing my school don't. online in the middle of the pandemic where both my children were home. I was also working. Mike was working. Mm-hmm. And so people say, I hear people all the time, oh, I could never do that. I don't have the time. I literally got up at 4 a.m. sometimes to do hours and hours of work before the kids got up so I could finish this. You have two years to finish it. And I think I did it in just 
just over a year. Mm-hmm. And, and it's dry. But you're into it, right? Like, it works hard. Dry. And yeah. it should be hard. It should be hard. It should be hard sure. yeah, if you're to move to some, a more yeah. lucrative and a more challenging well, career. Absolutely. It shouldn't be easy, mm-hmm. right? And you, so. can't, you can't expect it, like you said, and we've covered it a few times, like it, if it's easy, is it really worth doing? Mm-hmm. Like, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah. And, 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 and somebody told me you can make $100,000 and you don't have to look, like you don't have to get up in the morning and be like, great, sign me up. What am I doing? Yeah. And if it is easy, there's By some miracle, it's probably not sustainable. Yeah, it's there's a catch. There's a hundred sort of pop up. I see, like, yeah. okay, so I, I, sorry to pay you off. Much. I see, um, this like on so, social media is obviously the basis of all mm-hmm. things, right? And I see people doing these like multi level marketing things, like where they're selling whatever and this, that, and the other. And I can literally think. I could probably go through my Facebook and like see this person tried to sell this, this person tried to sell this, this person tried to sell this, this person tried to sell this. I can tell you with a beyond shadow of my doubt, I know of two people that have made a career out of those things, two. Mm-hmm. And I bet you I know 50 that tried it because it's extremely saturated and it's extremely self-motivating. And if you don't sit and treat that like a job, people think it's easy. Oh, I'm gonna sell. Beach body, right? And it's going to be super easy, and everyone wants to work out, and this, that, and the other. Well, like, just like how do you make wants, a job out of that? Everybody wants I to watch the Lula, Lula Rich documentary. Yeah, so, I get it. Social media is a good thing to bring up, though, because I know for a fact my company goes straight to your social media when you put in a resume. Everyone does. That's the first and thing they're yeah. looking at. And if you got, like, we've all got those buddies that are going to send you some stuff on social media that you're like, no, my boss shouldn't see that one. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's funny, but. You know, you might need to talk to those turn people and say, the, like, turn on the approve post functionality. <laughs> sure. Facebook. Yeah. Like, Facebook has one of those. Yeah. And it's, you, you got to be aware of what your social media looks like. Because if they can see it, they'll look at it. And if yep. they'll look at it and you've got, I don't know, a swastika in the middle. Yeah. Or like, the whole thing is just funeral strippers. Then, sure. like, people are going to be like, full <laughs> circle. Full yeah. circle. That's weird. That guy has a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger on his profile. And he's staring at children. Yeah. What's up, like, Arnold covering? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, he's allergic. So, so I, uh, Christine and I have teenage children. And this is probably something that, like, we say to them constantly. And it is. Like we're like we we sound like a broken record. Whatever you put in your phone, whatever you put on TikTok, Snapchat, this, that, and the other, it's there for everyone to see. You Forever. cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube. No. And um, they learn these things the hard way, but um, they are in terms of like privacy or leaving things to be a mystery, completely hooped because mm-hmm. everything now is on the internet. And that's the other thing too, is that's the, the big job these days is I want to be a TikTok star, yeah. or a YouTube star. And that's, that's, yeah. that's their focus. Like that's it. That's Even their job. Those guys, you were talking to me about that Mr. Beast guy. Mm-hmm. Like this guy works all the time. Like he's never not creating content. And once they get to that point where like, I'm going to be a famous awesome. TikToker, mm-hmm. that's all like, I don't like posting on social media once a month, let alone once a day or mm. more. And especially if I'm actually like putting in work into that post. Like it's different if your post is like, okay. hey guys, it's me. It's Tuesday. I'm outside. I'll oh, see so you guys nice. later. Yeah. <laughs> Which is every single real estate agent. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so every yeah. teenager. Right? Like Having a ham sandwich. Real estate agents are making videos right now, left, right, and center. I'm terrible at it. I don't really want to do it, but I'm trying to use my social media as mm-hmm. leverage. Um, I think you're good at it. 
Making a video? No. Yeah. Hey everyone, I'm just but you're like brushing my hair. Yeah, great you, you have a presence on the screen, and the yeah, presence like allows right. you to yes. like draw people's eyes in. So that's good. I think that um, social media is definitely the way of like how things are going. We can't avoid that, um, but it's how you use it's it. It's not necessarily a career. No. Yeah, it can no. Be an I mean, accent I, to something. It can be so, a useful tool. So Christine's son Blake. So Blake plays hockey and sports, and he's very sporty, and he's you know like the next. 15-year-old, probably hates high school, and he took it upon himself to look up online, how do you get to be an equipment manager for, like, a hockey Sports team? team. What do you take in college? How do I get there? To me, when you're 15 years old, if you're already doing something like that, like, I didn't do that when I was 15, right? You're ahead of the game, and you kind of have to be in this day and age with the prices of everything and how hard it is and schools are competitive. You got to be ahead of yourself when you are young. Mm-hmm. There, there are adults that don't even have that much yeah. direction. They're like, again, like where we're coming, it's like, I don't part, want part to of do that anything. I, part of that I blame on like, I don't know, I'm going to say guidance counselors because it's just the easiest way to say it. <laughs> but it's like, you would go into a guidance counselor yeah. in high school and they'd be like, mm, you should work in a factory. Mm, you should work in an office. Factory, office, factory, mm-hmm. office. Like, they just go down the line. Yeah. And if you're bored or uninspired by the careers that are out there, look some up. See, like, because there are jobs. Yeah. There's a guy out there who gets paid $70,000 a year to roll joints for Snoop Dogg. Now, I'm not saying that everybody <laughs> should go after this particular career path, but I'm just saying <laughs> nobody would have known that was a job right. until, like, that happened to be a job. Right. So you find someone who's mega rich and <laughs> just like, I'm too lazy to do this myself. 7,000 US a year. Does he get benefits? Oh, yeah. He okay. gets the full deal. <laughs> and he just rolls joints all day. Just rolls joints. Uh, but then he's going to go for like a carpal tunnel. He's going to go off. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a technique at this point. He's just like, bam. He's got a machine. You just drop it and roll it. Carpal tunnel. Yeah. yeah. And then like, and then also because of that's like a side, it sounds like a side job, side jobs, like alternate income streams. Like mm-hmm. if you maybe want to take a job that isn't going to pay you what you think you're going to like, what you need, get a side hustle going. Get a side hustle going. And then, and see, that's, what's good about side hustles is if it's something you're also interested in that you can do that, mm-hmm. then you're kind of like, just kind of dropping your toe in the water there and be like, you know what? I can actually make something. That's what I really enjoy. He's a side hustle. Man. I, I, I'm, a, I'm big on it, but I mean, I, I'm trying but like, so many things, but I still think that should have been your what's fucked thing. What's that? The guy making a living for rolling joints. Oh, rolling joints for Steve That would yeah. that's a good But funerals are big That guy's living a dream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that that guy's it's not so much a what's fucked as it's like why didn't I think of that? So <laughs> true, true, true. So the children, like the teenagers as an example, are our kids are fit they're gonna be fifteen next weekend. And um, we think, okay, they're well on their way into high school, adulthood is going to come faster than they know it. And they're going to have decisions to make. What do I want to take? What's my career? They don't know. Now, you called it guidance counselors. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to stereotype all teachers right mm-hmm. now. I know that there are teachers that care about the kids and are well invested to their jobs. I'm, However, we I, don't have, have those. <laughs> I have seen situations where I think, no wonder like my kids gonna be a fuck up one day like so online schooling is happening and she's like talking to the teacher and the teacher is asking a kid not Maisie when why they didn't hand in one of their assignments and Mike was in the room too we both looked at each other and we were like what the actual fuck and so 
they, the kid was like, oh, well, I haven't done it yet. And the teacher was like, well, can you hand it in by Friday? And the kid was like, um, maybe. And then the teacher literally said, do you think you can hand it in by the end of the year? And he was like, yeah, okay. Like, these are unrealistic things that Is we're that teaching like, our kids. No. <laughs> these are super You know, that's not, that is not, like, a normal work situation. No. Our kids are not going to yeah, go no, into a situation. That's because, right. yeah, there's, Same here's with, the deadline. Like, like, if you have to do this by then. Here's, that's why I call the deadline. Yeah, <laughs> like, like here's, stops. and here's a what's fucked to go along with it. The, the, um, we're, uh, dress code for the children in the public school system literally says as long as their nipples are covered okay that is not uh yeah that's a thing that is not that's the dress like, code. like as dress long code. as that is covered can you imagine not going into your office to just, run a meeting just, <laughs> with nipple tassels on right oh my god so we're setting our kids up for oh. the idea that going into a career you can do whatever you want, and that is not no, accurate. it's not realistic at all. I mean, they get a big culture shock, yeah, for sure. I've never come into anything that extreme with someone's expectations of doing something like I, I find 99% of the population kind of at least adhere to the basics, but um, there's always that one percent. So, we've had conversations with people before where it's like, Look, man, I get it, like, you want to express your individuality, but. No. There's a company like there. There is like they. It's like it goes back to that standard we were talking about earlier. There's a baseline. There's a floor here. You have to be on the floor of it. There needs to be some basic guidelines and rules in place that people adhere to to have for sure respectful environment. And unfortunately, some of that doesn't always make complete sense to everybody. And some some people might find it a little unfair. But for the most part, it keeps everything neutral. Sure, keeps, keeps everything nice and beige. And that's not a bad thing when you no, have 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people working together. Sometimes you want things to be a little bit beige, you know? On my last day of work, I'm going to wear a full snowsuit and only have my nipples showing. <laughs> Swap and then you like, get in trouble, Billy. I can see your nipples. Here we are, folks. <laughs> this is the world we live in now. Well, yeah. speaking of dream careers, <laughs> Chase, I'll start with you. What is, like, within reason, like, you're absolute, like, this is what you would love to do and... Honestly, so I don't think I can put it into an exact career because I'm Other currently than, working with a career coach to try and figure out what my next step would be. Obviously, but, working with Snoop Dogg and rolling joints all day is ideal. I wouldn't even want that job to be honest with you yeah, because I then I would want to smoke them and then I'm like, <laughs> well, this is just that's getting us nowhere. <laughs> um, I know that I want to help people. Mm -hmm. um, I know that it, there does need to be some structure there because if I'm left to my own devices for too long, bad things happen. Ask anybody who's ever dealt with me ever. <laughs> um, and I know that there's a range in salary that I need to hit. Like I can't go back down to making, you know, 25 grand or something. You know what I mean? Like that's not an option. It has to be within a certain space. And I also know that I will no longer be doing on-call stuff because like I have on-call in my job right now. And so for seven days, every seven weeks, actually it's less now because we lost the guy, um, 24, seven, 360, like for those days, they can get a hold of me and, and I have to go, I have to go answer that. That messes you up because you can't turn your phone off. And they've done studies on, like, if your phone's on next to your bed, you're not sleeping the way that you normally would. Yeah, because you're always... In the back of your mind somewhere, something's going, just in case the phone rings, I'm just going to stay awake the whole time. So I would say that, like, as long as the, the three, like, the helping people, um, a little bit of structure and salary matches, I'm, I think I'm in, like, a, a good spot there. Outside of that, I don't know, I wouldn't mind doing stand-up. 
just yeah. telling people that what's wrong with the world. I feel like you'd be great at <laughs> it. Well, yeah, but you're actually working on yeah. it. Yeah. I'm working on it, yeah. But, I mean, that's more of, like, a, like you said, dream job. Like, dream, dream job. It's that. But, like, the reality job, probably more along the lines of, like, I could honestly... That's I the like, thing, though. You could say like you could say it's a dream job, but you if you're working to make that reality, that's. I was I was thinking like <laughs> I was gonna go to my mom. She used to have a, a not for profit. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, just open another one in something that I like, and I'll just do that. But I mean, that's like a cheap way out. So, Maddie, <laughs> um, I don't think it's a specific role or a specific job. I think I just want to continue to progress in roles that allow me to work with other people and help develop their careers and develop teams. Um, and I think that can change. Right now, I think my longer-term goal is like, you have to decide at one point what kind of like um, impact you want to make, right? And to me, I would rather make a big impact with a smaller group of people than a small impact with a bigger group of people. Hmm. And I find the higher up you move, the strategic value of what you do is it reaches like a whole organization, but the, there's small changes, you know what I mean? Whereas if you, if you have a good position, high-level position in one area, you can really impact people in a meaningful way and impact their careers, their, their career trajectory, the development of positions and development of processes. And that's what interests me. So, um, you know, working towards stuff like that, just trying to learn new things and learn new departments and stuff like that, you know? So that's what I want to continue to work by. There's no specific dream job. Like, you know, if I won the lottery or something tomorrow, you just do whatever you want. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's one of those, I think I just live life and try to be productive and stuff like that. But uh, that's where I want to go with my career. Very cool. Strainer? Well, I don't know that I have a dream job. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, so I'm going to continue moving myself uh, within the company, and that is exciting to me. But dream job definitely would be working with animals. Mm. Oh, wow. No, did not see that answer coming. I know. I know a few people who have that that answer, yeah. Dogs and horses, goats, whatever, animals. Like rescue farm kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. I would love to live in the country Mm -hmm. and work with animals and make them feel better. Nice. That's it. Miss? Um, I would like to be a resort tester. Yes. So like, <laughs> that sounds totally up your so alley. Like where you go to the resort and you rate it as like a three star, five star, and you stay there for a few days, and yeah. then you do a write up for the Air Canada magazine that's in the seat pocket in front of you on the plane. Yeah, that. That's yeah. probably no, that's, a job. That's, that's, it is. How do you get it? Is there's it? also TV yeah. shows like that, yeah. like where they're just yeah. you're gonna go somewhere, try it out, and they're gonna. Yeah. yeah. How do you get that job? You just got your research, I guess. Yeah. I have to look it up. Let the research begin. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, but I don't know what you do. What do you do? I go to resorts. You're well, just traveling. Traveling today. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, like that's that's like what are your qualifications? Right. I go places. I think you'd be okay. like travel agent start, and then if you were a good writer, like if you had like a good way of writing that people yeah. found easy to read, then that would be like because mm-hmm. basically they want your review, right? So <laughs> place yeah. was fun. If you're humorous, yeah. Like, but if you're humorous and fun, and like people like a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, that'd be a good start. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. See, so, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Your turn. Oh, mine's simple though. It's just I like my my you know, ultimate dream would be, and I've <clears> talked to Christine about this a number of times because trying to recruit her to be on board with this. <laughs> um, I like to get my own arena. I wanna I wanna have my own arena. I wanna have my own hockey league. 
I want to just have that environment where, and I've said this even from day one on the hockey, our first episode, like to have my own like league of people to be, you know, you just be shit at something, but have an environment where people can come try something out, just have fun. There's no like ridiculous environment where people are going to be fucking ass hats and like just Did have an know? environment where someone's going to be, it's going to be fun for everybody, no matter what age level they are and, and shit like that. It's just because there's no... Anywhere you go, like, like in, for any hockey parent or anyone who's ever attended anything, like, the, the competitive level of just going into the lobby of an arena, you have the parents and they're all angry because this team lost, this one did this, and everyone's pissed off about everything. Like, I would rather have an environment where it's just simple. Like, you go in there, it's just... I wouldn't be able to work at my husband's <laughs> arena. No. Um. Because there's just... Yeah. It's just, I, I want that, like, to create an environment, mm-hmm. like, or work somewhere where there, you've created an environment. You want a safe accepted. space hockey league. Yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly it. No, it could Why be a play? thing. Well, it could be a thing, because there's enough people out there who would, who would want that. Sure. Um, who don't want to, like, like, I ain't trying to get into the league tomorrow. You know what I mean? Well, that's the whole thing. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, boring. Like, you can still, you can still be competitive and not be a douchebag. I, I just want to say <laughs> like, to the people listening, I, so my daughter has played hockey for a long time. I've gone almost 10 years without losing my shit in the arena until this year. (laughs) I've gone a very long time keeping my mouth shut. I was going to say, did you lose your shit early on? And then there was like a long, but you've never lost it until Not once until this past year. Oh no, like she she escalated to the point where they asked her to leave the arena. They asked me to leave the arena this year. So. (laughs) Misty Johnson. Let Let me just add that one of our players ended up with a broken arm and there was like, some extremely unsafe play going on. And there was so bad was and yeah. know, but Again, I don't want to have that environment of someone being smashed no. on the boards and everyone getting mad. But again, that's like the dream and I've looked into it a number of times. Like, I'm not saying I'm not doing it, but that would be if I could just spend time to do that and that's I what it. I want. That's awesome. So. That's a wrap. But that's, uh, I think that's uh, it's a good stopping point here. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank all our guests for coming out today. <laughs> Especially good what's fuck this week. Man, it's going to be hard to top that one. Um, so, yeah. So, thank everybody. And then we will see you. You think so, but next week I'm coming with nursing home strippers. Oh! I mean, there's a teaser for next week right there. Nursing home strippers. You know that nursing home swinging is actually a thing? I can totally Don't spoil the topic. That. I could totally believe that. <laughs> well, on that note. No, not that <laughs> Thanks, everybody. And we will see you for next week's episode. Sweet. Bye-bye. Bye. Special thank you to the super talented Jordan Washburn for providing all the theme music here for the No Pro Podcast. <laughs>